How's everybody doing this morning? Hallelujah. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Praise God. Does it seem a little loud to everybody else? It seems really loud to me. Oh, there we go. Praise God. She's working on it. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Did you find it, love? Testing one, two. There we go. It's coming down a little bit. Sorry, my booming father voice sometimes just overwhelms the speakers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Now you guys got me all lost. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Ah, praise God. Let's praise you. Come to it. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your great love. Thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to come together and study your word. Lord, we're so blessed for that. And Lord, I pray, Father, that all those out there that are still worried about the virus and the things that are going on, Father, I pray that they would um, soon just overcome that fear, Father, and and quit missing out on the opportunity to meet with other believers, other like-minded members of the kingdom of heaven, Father, that they could come together and be strengthened and encouraged. Because, Father, this time together is so precious and it's such a blessing. And I'm so grateful that particularly here in the United States that we have this opportunity. In other countries, Lord, they don't have it. And they risk their life every single day to come together with other believers. So, Father, I pray that we'd never become jaded to the privilege that we have, that we can continue to come together. And, Lord, this morning as we spend time in your word, I pray that our hearts would be opened and ready to receive it and that it would accomplish inside of us what you intend it to accomplish. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on in our series on who we are as a church, the culture of Living Hope Family Church. And today we're going to talk about the the topic that everybody loves to talk about, and that's being generous. How many know that being generous is an important trait for a Christian? It's one of the character traits that should define us. The reality is, is that we're made in the image of God. And how many know that God is a giver? God is generous. And because we're made in his image, we should look like him. And we have those same traits that he has. Now, the problem is, is that when we start talking about being generous and all those things, that we, uh, everyone's mind quickly goes to money. And the thing about being generous is it doesn't have to do just with money. Money is only a small portion of it. Yes, we're generous with our money. You should be generous with your money. But you should also be generous with all of your possessions, with your love, with your time, with your grace, and with your mercy. Truthfully, money is the easiest thing to be generous with because it's real easy to get more money. You know what's hard to be generous with? It's your time. I think that's probably the hardest thing to be generous with. But like I said, the truth is, is we're made in the image of God. And because God is generous, that means that we are generous. And you might say, well, Pastor Wayne, that's not really who I am. Well, if you've been born again, you're not who you used to be, amen? And the truth is, you've been remade. You're reborn in the image of God. And you should have those those same character traits. The truth is, is, did you know that this is why stingy people aren't happy? 
because they're missing out on something that God has for them. The truth is, is that people that are selfish, that are always looking inwards towards themselves, they tend to be uh, much more unhappy than other people. And you probably see this all around you. But you'll notice that people who give, and I'm not talking, it doesn't matter how much stuff that they have, people that are generous are typically happier. Mainly because they realize money is not what makes you happy. And like I said, it's not all about money, but the truth is, is that being generous in our society today has a lot to do with money. So we do need to get the money bit out of the way. Truthfully, it's one of the hardest things for me to talk about in the church because when I grew up, um, I had a, this idea in my head, as, as do many people, that the church was all about just getting your money. All, the church just wanted your stuff. And there was a bunch of pastors who were getting rich and driving expensive cars and flying fancy jets and taking advantage of people. And, and I had that idea in my head. And even to this day when I talk about it, I have to fight that, those, those inner feelings that try to creep up in my head because I have to remember that the whole reason I'm talking about it is not for me, but it's for you guys. Because the truth is, is that generosity impacts you more than it even impacts the person you're giving to. But here's the deal. Jesus talked about money a lot. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? Jesus talked about money more than he talked about love. Jesus talked about money more than anything that he talked about except for the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of God more than money, but money was the next thing on the list. Most of the parables talk about one out of uh, every 39 parables talks about money. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talks about money. In case you didn't know this, it might be important to God when he talks about it that much. And it's not the money that's important. The problem with it is, is that, that people who get fixated on money aren't fixated on God. Amen. They end up missing out on things that God has for them because their focus is not where it needs to be because here's the reality. I don't need your money. God doesn't need... Oh, I'm still there. That's why. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still on the intro. Somebody was getting nervous. I was talking too long. Don't worry. We might be here a while. Praise God. But the reality is, is I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. And, and, and the truth is, from a, a uh, personal standpoint, the church doesn't need your money. God's going to take care of what he needs to take care of. And the reality is, is that giving is all about you. It's not about the person that's receiving it. Amen? So we'll go ahead and get started on our first verse here. Acts 4.32-35, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid, at, and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. You know, when I, I read this, the scripture gets me thinking about something, and that's that the early Christians had a completely different mindset than Christians today. And they certainly had a different mindset than the people that were around them. 
Something was completely different about them. They, they weren't who they used to be. The, the people that were around him, nobody was lining up just giving their house, selling their houses and their possessions and just giving money to each other. There was something different about these people. And it's because they had been changed. They had been made brand new. And the reality is, is that the, the attitude of the world is one of selfishness and inward looking. It's one of, of uh, self-preservation. Anybody notice that? Most people in this world are more concerned about themselves and what happens to them than they are about other people. And you almost can't blame them because our whole life we end up teaching people to, to look out for number one. Look out for yourself. Make sure that you're happy first. You've got to work on yourself first. And, and somehow we've developed, um, particularly in this day and age, a culture of, of everybody looking at themselves about what is going to make them happy, what is going to make, uh, make their life better. But this attitude here is completely different than that. They weren't thinking about what's going to make their life better. Better, they were, matter of fact, they're thinking, what can we do to make other people's lives better? And they actually went out of their way to make their lives worse, <laughs> to make other people's lives better. Now I don't think that that's what they were going for. They weren't like, man, I just got it too good. I'm going to have to rough my life up a little bit, but we'll give it to somebody else. But what it was is their heart was more concerned about somebody else and they were willing to sacrifice for somebody else. And because of this, they were beginning to look different. They were beginning to look more like Jesus and less like who they used to be. They were beginning to look more like God, that image of God that he had placed inside of them because the reality is, is that God is a generous God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world so much that he gave his son. Now, I have a son. And if I was God, you all would be going to hell. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> because I don't know if I could give up my son. <laughs> Apparently, if Michelle was God, you'd be in a better position. But if... <laughs> You know, I, I think about the, the reality of that sacrifice, and that is, especially, you know, as a father or a mother, if you have children, you know how much they mean to you, that you would give anything for them, and, and God was willing to give up his son for us. That kind of love, that kind of generosity. And I know some people will say, oh, what kind of father would do that? But you really got to step back and look at what was going on. The reality is, is that Jesus is God. It wasn't so much that God was giving his biological son as he was stepping down from the throne and giving up his very own life for you and I. But that's the kind of generosity that God has. That's the kind of generosity that that nature that is in God is now inside of us. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. God loves us so much, he's so generous that he invited us right into his family. You see, our initial instinct is to keep everything for ourselves, and unfortunately, that's what we've been taught our whole lives. I mean, you think about it too, and, and not only are we being taught that, unfortunately, by our parents and school children and, and counselors and all that stuff in the school, because the truth is so many people have it all uh, backwards. 
But look at the, the media today. Look at the, the advertising. It's all about what can make you happy, what you need to have everything that you ever wanted. And the worst part is, is that's our, our, our initial instinct. If you're not born again, that is your nature. And then we have the world telling us that as well. But the truth is, is in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, you're not who you used to be and you are now selfless. Now sometimes it takes a while for your body to catch up to the reality of what has already happened in your spirit. That's why Paul said you have to get up and put on the new self every single day because sometimes it falls off. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But we have to remind ourselves to put on the new self every single day. And the reality is, is something I think we all need to recognize is that one of sin's greatest powers is that it keeps us looking at ourselves. It keeps us focusing on us instead of putting our eyes on Jesus Christ, instead of putting our eyes on others. And then we talk about the, the money stuff again. Matthew 6.24, here's the reason that, that, that money can be such an issue and why it's talked about so much. Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now before we get into this, I want to let everybody know that you don't have to worry. We're not taking another offering after the service. This is all strictly educational. You're going to be learning today. Um, but here's, here's why generosity is so important to God. Because he doesn't need our money. Like I said, God doesn't need our money. The truth is the Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What that really means is it's all his anyway. He doesn't need you to give him anything. It's his. If he wants it, he could just take it back just so you know. He is God. But he doesn't need our money. He doesn't need those things from us. But he, he wants us to understand that these things that we put in front of him are the things that, that, that are, are going to take control in our lives. It's the things that are important in our lives. Those things that we are unwilling to give up are actually the very things that have control over us in our lives. They say that the last thing on a man to get saved is his wallet. <laughs> Because we're so concerned about that. And, and, and in a lot of ways, particularly in our culture, we've been taught that money is your security. You know, when we put all of our faith in money, we're looking at the, getting a good job and better money and, and getting stuff in our retirement and investing in all that stuff because that's what's going to save us. That's what's going to make our life better. Now, I'm not opposed to any of those things. And I think if you're not paying attention to that stuff, you're being unwise. But don't let it control who you are. When we had that massive market crash several years ago, um, what was it, 10 years ago or so that, that we had that massive one? There was uh, 2006, 2008, so 12, 15 years ago, somewhere around there. Um, people were, were taking their own lives because they had lost so much in their retirement account. They had put so much faith in that money that it destroyed their lives when it was over because that's the thing. You can't serve two masters. And that money had become their master. And when it failed them, they didn't know what to do. And the truth is, is that anything that you put ahead of God has a hold of you. You know, we, we talk about money here, but it doesn't just have to be money. Anything you put in ahead of God. Some people get wrapped up in sports. Some people get wrapped up in TV or video games or church programs. 
Sometimes people put the, the stuff, the programs in front of God. Christian music in front of God. And they'd be go ahead and, and uh, uh, they, they put, the reality is anything you put in front of God is what's going to have a control and a hold on your life. And we have to be so careful with that. And some stuff, you know, husbands, if you put your wife before God, you're going to be disappointed. Wives, if you put your husbands before God, you're going to be disappointed. You put your government before God, you're going to be disappointed. You put your government before peanut butter, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> the truth is, is that we put anything though ahead of God, we're going to be disappointed. And I, I know that firsthand in my own life. When uh, Michelle and I first got together, um, I was a Christian, Christian-ish. You know, I, I had uh, put my, my faith in God at, at some point, and, and the best way I can describe it is sometimes I had just enough faith to be saved, but most of the time probably not even that. And, uh, uh, but I thought that I was being a good husband. I thought I was doing the right thing because I was, I was putting my job first and I was making sure food was on the table and, and I had put my job first before everything in my life. Anytime they called me and needed me to work, it was always yes. Never said no, always did whatever they wanted. And I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I was working for Frito-Lay at the time. Um, not a great job if you want your marriage to succeed. But uh, uh, I thought I was doing all the right things, and, and my job was the thing that I was making most important. I didn't go to church because my job was important, so um, I couldn't, couldn't uh, uh, you know, mess that up, so I had to keep working, and, and, and that was everything that was important for me, to me. And I didn't even realize that my world was falling around, falling apart around me. And this was one of those eye-openers in my own life. I found out that Michelle was ready to leave me. And uh, she was real close. I had no clue because I thought I was doing the right thing, but I had put my job above everything else. And it was destroying my family. It was destroying everything. I certainly didn't have a relationship with God. And, and the reality is, is if you don't have your eyes on God, everything else around you falls apart. And I thank God that what fixed my marriage was putting Jesus first. We both decided to do that. And that's when things in our lives begin to change and our marriage begin to strengthen. And that's one of those times when we finally said, you know, we're going to put God first in every, one of our, every part of our lives. And that's when we decided that we were going to give to the church no matter what. And that changed everything in our life. It was amazing how God's math worked out differently than our own math. And every time we would decide, am I going to pay rent or am I going to tithe? And we would tithe and somehow both checks would be okay. Because God is faithful. And that's when I, I learned firsthand in my life that if I don't want to be disappointed, I have to put God first. Amen? So Matthew 6, 34 says this, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matter of fact, Jesus starts this in verse 25 saying, Don't be anxious about life. And then he ends up here. Because the reality is, is that if you are worried about everything around you, you're going to be disappointed. If you worry about God, everything else just seems to get taken care of. The rest falls in place. Not only does the Scripture teach this, but I know this from personal experience in my life. Amen? In 1 Timothy 6.18-19, speaking of Christians here, it says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. 
thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is truly life. So the question is, if serving money is a problem, then how do we go about doing it the right way? Well, the first thing is, is we need to teach it. We need to talk about money. We need to teach the correct way to deal with money and finances and the things that God has given us. And like I said earlier, this is a, a tough area for me to teach because one of my, my pasts and what I grew up and my misunderstandings and, and two, like I'm, I'm, I'm always concerned that if I talk to people about this, that's what they're going to think is I just want their stuff. But the truth is, is that I, I don't want your stuff. I don't need your stuff. For those of you guys who know me that have been working in the, uh, here in the church for a long time is, is I've never received any financial support from the church at all. Everything I've ever done here has been on a volunteer basis. And I don't tell you this because I want you to feel like you owe me something. You weren't here when I started this church. It was just me and my kids and Kathy and Joseph. We didn't do this to, to get rich or to make some kind of money. So I don't tell you this so that, that, that you would feel guilty or somehow think that I'm, I'm, I'm asking for that. I tell you this because one, I want you to know that I'm committed, and two, I'm not here for your money. I never have been. I never will be. I'm here because I care about you and your soul. And that's the thing. When we talk about this, we all get uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable teaching it. You probably get uncomfortable listening to it. But the reality is, is that Somehow in this world, we all get so attached to material things that somehow that defines our life and who we are. And it's not uh, people's fault per se. Our entire lives are, are designed to revolve around money, right? We get up every morning, morning, we go to work, we make money to come home and spend it. What's, the old, what's that saying goes? So we're all out there trying to uh, buy stuff with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is is that but money is, is such a big part of our life that it controls every aspect of everything that we do and as christians we should look at it differently now i get it you got to work because you got to eat and you got to do all those things but it's about how you look at it it's the it's the priorities it's the motivation behind the thing that you do but the reality is this that giving has nothing to do with the money or the stuff that you're giving, it has everything to do with you. It doesn't have to do with the church. It doesn't have to do with me. But it does have something to do with you. Philippians 4, 15 through 17 says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. The reality is, is that when you give, it's increased to your credit. It does something for you. One, I think it does something from you in a, from a spiritual standpoint because it gets your eyes off of you and your eyes on something else, on being generous and on loving God. And that's how we grow spiritually. That's how we grow in maturity. That's how we become better Christians but I also believe that God takes care of you as well. God is never going to let you go without. And for everybody here, the truth is, if I'm being honest, we have a fantastic church here. 
the 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 way that people give and are generous in this church absolutely blows my mind and the truth is is i tell other pastors about what is happening here with the size of our congregation and they're all blown away your guys's generosity amazes me and it blesses me so much so remember too a lot of this that we're talking about i'm not here to tell you that you're not doing it right this is just a reminder of who we're supposed to be we do this every year we talk about the culture of who we are as a church so we don't forget so that every day we put on the new self and don't wake up one morning and leave the new self on the floor next to the bed amen we need to teach this stuff because the reality is we're supposed to do good. We're supposed to be rich in good works, right? Works doesn't save us, but the truth is that when you're born again, when you're made brand new, something changes about you and how your life is lived looks different. It doesn't look like it used to. So we are to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, and then we do so. We're storing up a treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future. We need to make sure that we're teaching this stuff not only in our church, but if you have kids, you need to be teaching your children this stuff. Teaching them how to be generous. Teaching them to give. Let them see you give. The truth is uh, the, the greatest way that we teach our children, and unfortunately this goes for good and for bad, is how we live our lives. They see the things that we do. And that's where we have to be careful that we're not being hypocritical, telling them one thing and doing another. We can't just tell them as a Christian, you're supposed to be generous, but they never see us be generous. We can't tell them that, you know, we have to care about people, but every time we pass a homeless person, then we just point at them and call them names or, or, or talk bad about them. We need to demonstrate the things that we want our kids to see, and we have to teach that. We need to teach it to the, to the men and women that we're discipling as well. And if you're like me, remember that the reason we teach this stuff isn't about us, but it's about them. So if it feels uncomfortable, we teach them because it's for their, for their betterment. It's, it's going to make their life better. And it's, we need to remember those things. And then we need to remember that, as we talk about this morning, to be being generous, it's not just about money. I honestly believe that money is the easiest thing to be generous with. It actually requires uh, the the least of you to be generous with money because like i said you can always get more money but we need to be generous with our time we need to be generous with our forgiveness that's one of the hard things to be generous with is your forgiveness you know that's one of the the things that that uh i see people struggle with all the time is is, is understanding that we have to be generous with that because it's hard to forgive people sometimes, especially when they're repeat offenders. But did you know that forgiving is not about them either? It's about you. <laughs> it's amazing how all this stuff is actually about you and your growth and your maturity and your spiritual well-being. You know what else you should be generous with? It's your praise and your encouragement. Now, I, I, for me, that is one of the um, most difficult things for me to remember is to be generous with my praise and encouragement and just saying thanks to people. And I, I try to do it on a somewhat regular basis, but I recognize that I fail. But the truth is, is that uh, uh, particularly for those of you who are laboring among this church, thank you so much for all that you're doing because you certainly are a blessing to me. But that's one thing that I have to remind myself is, 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 is be generous with my praise and thanksgiving. Because it's how I feel, but sometimes we don't say it, so people don't 
the, the people on the other end, they, they get a different impression. But we need to make sure that we're generous with that. And probably most importantly, I think we need to be generous with our love. Love is the number one defining characteristic of a Christian. The Bible says that we should be known by our love. And the only way to be known by your love is if you're generous with it. And that means loving people that are sometimes unlovely. Because Lord knows that He loved us when we were unlovely. Amen? Amen. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, and another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and whoever waters will himself be watered. The principle of sowing and reaping is so ingrained in the Bible. You see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you look at that, you, you realize that, that this is a principle that God has set up that is a fact for everybody, whether you're a Christian or not. What you sow is what you will reap. This goes all the way from people to planting crops. You put corn, a corn kernel in the ground, you get a corn plant. What you sowed, you will reap. You put a, a, a watermelon seed in the ground, not once has anybody had a chicken pop up. Never in the history of man has somebody sowed a watermelon seed and had a chicken boop, out of the ground. And not once has a chicken laid a watermelon. And I bet they're thanking God for that every single day. I bet an egg's worth enough. Could you imagine a watermelon? Praise God, but we reap what we sow. Amen? The truth is, is that the reason we need to be generous is it opens up avenues for God to pour out blessing on us. It says here that if you give freely, you'll grow the richer. If you withhold what you should give, you're only going to suffer want. The truth is, is that if you never give praise the chances are you're never going to receive it yourself. If you never give encouragement, don't, don't be, uh, don't be uh, confused when nobody ever encourages you. Matter of fact, if you don't do anything, any of these things, chances are you're a person that most people doesn't want to be around, which is why you're not getting any encouragement or praise or love from other people because you never sow it into other people's lives. The the truth is, is that people that are stingy typically don't receive what God wants them to receive. How many rich people have you heard about? And we think that, oh man, they must be blessed. They have all kinds of money. They have the, they have the, the sweet life. They have everything that they need. They must be blessed. They must be rich. They must have everything. But then it turns out that they're just depressed and their life is miserable. And how many of them have you heard about them committing suicide? Because the truth is, is that the stuff that we receive from God, it may not always be financial. But what we do receive, even when, when we don't have the finances around us, is what keeps us strong. It's what makes us whole. God working inside of us, who He changes to be, is what's important, not the stuff around us. Because these people, even though they have a lot of stuff, they end up being stingy with everything in their life and they're miserable. The money doesn't make them happy. The truth is, is if you want to be happy, be generous. 
It's the whole point of the uh, Charles Dickens novel, The Christmas Story, was teaching this man to be generous because the truth is, is that the money wasn't making him happy. Being generous is what made him better. It's generous, generosity. If you bring blessing, you'll be enriched. If you water, you'll himself be watered. I once heard a pastor tell a story about how his house got flooded, like his entire house got flooded. They, he lost everything, lost his house, lost all the stuff in his house. And, and uh, he's telling the story, and he didn't understand because he had done all the right things. He was a pastor. He was serving God. He was reading his word. He was praying. He was doing all the right things, and he lost everything. And he didn't understand why God would do that to him. And then in the midst of all of that, his church family came around him. And they were just amazing blessings to him. And they not only did everything get replaced, but he had more than when he started. His house got fixed. Everybody took care of him. But in the midst of this tragedy is when he, God began to speak and minister to him. And it's when he began to learn that, you know what, the stuff's not important. The stuff actually wasn't what made me happy. And when people came around him and were encouraging him and supporting him, that's when he began to realize the, what he was reaping and all the stuff that he was sowing was people coming around him and being there for him and supporting him. And in the end, even replacing all the financial, all the, the material stuff. He had a better understanding that everything that was lost was just stuff. And it's a uh, quick way to make sure that your eyes are on God. Anybody ever notice that when stuff goes wrong, how quickly your eyes go back to God? But he, he, he learned that, that important lesson that the stuff wasn't important, but God still took care of him. Proverbs 19.7 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. How many know that when we're generous, the great news is, is that God doesn't leave us empty-handed? He's watching over his word, ready to perform it. Luke 6.38 says this, Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. I don't know if you know this, but in many ways, the blessing that you receive in your life is dictated by how willing you are to be a blessing to others to be generous to others. If you're a little bit generous, a little bit will come back to you. If you're greatly generous, then, then, then the return is going to be uh, typically, typically in, in my experience, and what many scriptures say is it's an exponential return. And you can say, Pastor, do you really believe this? And the truth is that I, I do, because I've seen it play out in my own life. I've been generous, and God has been more generous to me than I could ever imagine. And it's actually pretty fantastic because the more he gives me, the more I'm able to be generous to others, the more I'm able to give to others. And there's been situations in my life where, where something has happened. My, my, if you guys remember, a few years ago, um, the motor in my truck blew up. And I, I remember thinking like, man, this is such an impact. And, and if you guys don't remember that story, uh, I ended up spending about 12 grand replacing that motor between um, actually doing the work and then the original repair work that I got done that didn't fix it, and it was a whole mess. And it's one of those things, that, you know, for a moment you can go, God, what is the deal? Like, we're doing the right things. Why is this being hit? Am I being hit like this? And then I began to realize, like, you know what? 
I'm in a position where I can handle this. I can take care of this. Thank God for that, that, that even though this happened, God has made it so that I have the ability to take care of this. I'm not without a vehicle. I was able to get it fixed. And then on top of that, the generosity of not only the people in this church, but the people in my family to help take care of that situation. I came out the other side looking great. And I believe that that's because I've been faithful and God is faithful to me. And I know each and every one of you has stories like that where you know that you've been faithful and God has been faithful in your life as well. And the truth is, I've never outgiven God. He always gives it back to me. 1 John 3.17, it says this, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You know, we just talked about that. We just went through the entire book of 1 John, verse by verse. And I'm still amazed as I've read that many times in my life. But as I was studying it, you know, when, we, when you think superficially, the book of John, it's the, it's the book about love, about how we're supposed to love people. It's such a, uh, an uplifting and, and heartwarming book. But then when you study it, you realize it's not really that uplifting or heartwarming. It's actually just a bunch of warnings over and over and over, basically saying John's words summed up would be, if you don't love, you're not really a Christian. <laughs> that, that would be the short synopsis of that book. Real Christians love, and if you don't love, you're not really a Christian. The truth is, as Christians, we should desire to reach the needs of those around us. And I am the first to admit that when I see people on the side of the street begging for money, I'm the first to be skeptical. I'm the first to question what they're doing because the truth is, is I've been taken advantage of many times by these men and women who are begging for money. Within the last year or so, I was going to, to pull into a, a gas station by the Circle K there right by the U of A, and this man comes up to me and he says, look, I, uh, uh, I have a Suburban, I just run out of gas is there anything you can do to help me? I got my kids over here at the hotel across the way. We're just trying to get home. And uh, he asked for something. I said, look, I'll, he asked for 20 bucks. All I got is five bucks. I'll go ahead and give you that. And my first kind of clue was when he's like, just five, you can't give me 20? And I'm like, well, this is what I have. Anyway, I gave it to him. And uh, I pull in back a week later. Same guy walks up to my door and says, hey, can I go? I said, you know, you just did this to me last week, right? Oh, okay. And he just walks away. I've been burned many times by that. But one of the things that God keeps working on me is this. I would rather give money a hundred times to a hundred people that don't need it and not miss the one that does than not give money to anybody and miss the one that actually needs it. And I always have to remind myself of that. And I also have to remember to be sensitive to, to hearing the Holy Spirit when that comes up. And then just little simple tricks that, that I've, I've watched my wife do. That, that I, You ever see simple stuff? You're like, why didn't I think of that? One of the things that my wife does uh, that I've seen her do when she's talking to somebody, she's asking, what are you going to use the money for? And one guy, they were in California at one of our conferences several years ago, and he's like, well, I'm going to go buy some beer. And he's like, well, then I'm not giving you any money. What a simple question. Why didn't I think of that? Just ask him, what are they going to use the money for? problem is we live in a world that most of them think that they can be brazen and, and look cool if they say they're just going to buy beer for it, and I don't want to support that. 
The other thing that she used to do uh, a couple years ago is she would just keep bags in her car with water and like a granola bar. And instead of giving me money, she would hand them out water and, and, and stuff like that. You know, we need to be generous with those around us. And God has always been working on that with me lately because I don't, the truth is, is that many times I look at my life and I wonder why I have the faith that I have. I have the head of an engineer. I think like a scientist. I think like an engineer. And I'm skeptical of almost everything. And God is always having to remind me who he is and what he does. Remind me that he's a supernatural God and to not be so cynical at everything in life. Amen? And the truth is, is that God's love inside of us changes us. That's what he says here. He says, look, if, you're, if you see your brother in need and you close your heart against him, how does God's love live inside of you? And the opposite is true. If God's love lives inside of us, we will want to be generous. Amen? And then we will go ahead and uh, I'm going to skip a few verses. I just got a couple of stories here, but we're running out of time. But there's a couple of stories here. I'm just gonna, I'll just read the verses, actually, and we'll talk about them briefly. But these are examples of generosity in the Bible. Luke 10, 30-35 says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus is telling this parable to remind us how to love our neighbor. And if you don't know the background of this, this, this uh, uh, the, the man that is on the ground is a, uh, yeah, it must have been a Jewish man because the Samaritan is the one that helped him. It's a Jewish man that's on the ground. Sorry, I just went brain blank on this one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes pastors forget stuff too, just in case you, you didn't know that. So anyway, there's this Jew. He's on the side of the road, and we have a, a Levite that passes him and a priest that passes him. And these guys are seeing him on the side of the road. And, and typically the idea in that time is that, well, if somebody's on the road hurt and dying, they probably deserved it. The reason why they're there is because that's what God wanted for them. So they run to the other side, and they don't want anything to do with this person. But then there's this good Samaritan, and he sees him on the side of the road, and, and he walks up to him and... and uh, he decides to take care of him. And this is, this is really interesting because Samaritans don't have anything to do with the Jews and vice versa. And there's this Jewish man laying in a ditch and the Samaritan decides that he's going to help him anyway. The Samaritan showed the compassion and generosity that God would have hoped to see from his priest. And the, Levitical, the whole Levitical priesthood, a priest walks by, another one of the Levites walks by, and they just ignore this man when they should have been showing God's love. And the thing that I think that we can learn from this is that the Samaritan wasn't just showing love to his family or a member of one of the groups that he belonged to, but this was somebody that was actually one of his enemies, someone that would have hated him. And that's the kind of love that we should be showing, not just to our family, not just to those who are around us. You know, the Scripture says it's easy to love those who are in your family. But as Christians, we should even be loving our enemies. Amen? 
And then in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, we see this story of people who are generous even though they have nothing to be generous with. You know, the first story I talked about, it's being generous to those who you think you should have no business being generous to. Still do it. And this one is even if you don't really have that much. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. The Macedonian church wanted to be a blessing and to be generous to the Jews that were struggling in Jerusalem or to the Christians in Jerusalem. And they decided that they were going to give even though they didn't even have anything. It says that they were in a severe test of affliction, but their abundance of joy, how many of that? Giving does something to you. There is joy in giving. It says in their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. So they didn't have, they, they weren't just rough. They weren't just a little bad off. They were in extreme poverty and they decided that, you know what, we're still going to be a blessing and generous to others. And they took up an offering. Matter of fact, he says that uh, they, they were one of the, the only churches that did that. But out of their extreme poverty, they overflowed in a wealth of generosity and they gave according to their means and testify even beyond their means now the truth is is that we don't see this happen in all the other churches just like we talked about the book of acts where that early church they sold their property and they gave everything away i don't think these are instructions for 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 every church this is how we're supposed to do everything the idea is being generous not necessarily the exact game plan. The whole point of this is not so you go home and sell your house and give all your money away. Unless God tells you to do it. Then by all means, do what God tells you to do. But the truth is, is that who we are should change. You know, here it says that they were giving according to their means and also beyond their means. You know, I don't, I don't believe that God wants you to suffer so that other, somebody else at least in all cases, I don't believe that God wants us to suffer in order that somebody else might have something. There may be certain cases, like I said, if you feel like God's telling you to do something, you need to listen to what God is telling you to do, amen? If God's telling you, the answer is to say, yes, Lord, here I am, whatever I need to do. And God will honor you in that. God is not going to throw you to the wolves. But the idea is that we be generous. And sometimes that means that, that we will sacrifice. But I know it'll be worth it. God will always bless you and honor you for that. I'm not saying that you're going to get rich because the truth is we have to be careful with some of this because we can go into this with a wrong motive. Matthew 6, 1-4 through 4 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will 
reward you. As we talked about this, and there's some principles that we've talked about that I believe are true. The, the scripture testifies to them. I believe that God's word is true when he says that, that your measure uh, of giving will be, it'll be measured by how you give. You're going to reap what you sow. I believe all that is true. If you give a lot, you're going to get a lot. But your motivation matters. The truth is, is that God is not like some holy investment plan. Your tithe is not about you someday having a retirement. We don't give because we want to get. We give because we love Him. And because He has already given us everything. When you're giving to get, I think you need to be careful because you will have no reward. I think when that's your motivation, you're not going to have a reward. The applause that you get when somebody sees you give, if that's what you're looking for, that is your reward. And I also want to be careful in some areas because I believe we reap what we sow. Um, but I also think that sometimes you're going to, and I guess this all falls in line with the, your motives, right? I don't think God wants everybody to be rich. For some people, being rich would kill them. We just talked about it earlier with celebrities or you see people that win the lottery, they don't know how to handle that kind of money and their life is actually worse off in a couple years than it was before they received all that money, no matter how much it was. Because our, our, our self-worth, our blessing from God, all of those things we receive from God are not always financial. The truth is, is if you receive nothing except for salvation, it would be worth it. And the truth is, that's going to be worth a whole lot more than a few extra bucks in your bank account. Amen? So I think we need to be careful when we talk about all this stuff. Like I said, I believe that when you honor God, He's going to honor you. But if you're doing it to just get rich, if you're doing it to see what God's going to give you, then your heart's in the wrong place. Your motivation is in the wrong place. Because you notice that when you think that way, you're no longer looking outward. You're actually just looking right back at yourself again. We're not called to be selfish. No matter how it manifests itself, we're called to be generous, to love others. And the truth is, is that we give because He has given so much to us. And just like when we talk, when we do receive the offering every Sunday morning, one thing Pastor Joseph and I are clear, uh, try to make clear is that, that we give as a extension of our worship giving is about honoring him it's about worshiping god it's about looking at somebody other than ourselves and i thank god that he still honors us that we never outgive god but that is never our motivation is to get something in return amen and then we'll end right here in matthew 25 31 through 40 he says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on the left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave Me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in, person, in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the, la- the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Church, I want you to know that when you're being generous, everything that you do, you're doing it to God. When those people are in need and they need clothing, they need shelter, they need food, they need all of those things, when you give to them, you are honoring God in every single thing that you've done. And I want to encourage you to keep being generous like that. And one, I want to say thank you for all your generosity so far. You know, I know that you all don't see it, and I don't always share it, uh, everything that we do as a church with you guys as far as, as benevolence and the stuff to give away. Jan's probably the only one that sees it because she's the one that does our books, so she sees when the money's going out. But over the past couple years, through all this COVID thing, you guys have been so incredibly generous. And because of that, we've had the resources to be a blessing to every single person that's reached out on our website or given us a call saying that, hey, we could use some help. And we've paid electric bills, we've paid hotel bills, we've helped with food. In the beginning, we were giving out toilet paper and food and all that stuff you couldn't get a hold of. We have been able to be generous as a church because you guys have all been generous yourselves. And I want to say thank you to that. And the truth is, is that uh, uh, one day you're going to get to heaven and you're going to be able to see all the people that you were a blessing to, even when you didn't know that you were doing it. And the reality is that when we do it to the least of these, we're doing it to Him. And church, like I said, as we're going through these, these studies, these aren't studies um, where, you know, where Pastor Joseph and I are trying to correct the behavior. This is just a reminder of who we are as a church, the culture of who we are as a church. And I praise God that is the culture of this church. We are already a generous people. And I would just encourage you to continue being generous. Don't ever stop. And not only will God honor you, but you are going to be blessed, I believe physically and spiritually, when we step out in what God has called us to do and when we look like Him because He's the one who's made us generous. Amen.